welcome to Widowcast Podcast, where you learn how to find the strength to get through your journey and the skills to coach other widows. This is not your average grief group. This is your journey group. It just may show you the way to make something amazing come out of the emotional pain and trauma of widowhood. I'm your host, Joanne Philomena. I'm the best-selling author of Widowed and Widow Coach, and I'm a professional certified life coach. Let the healing and your personal journey begin. Welcome back, my friends. It's episode number 115, and I want to share with you some thoughts I had on five tips for self-coaching. I recently did a Facebook Live to the group of ladies in Widowed Book Club on Facebook. If you go look for that, click the join button and jump on in on the discussion. But I thought this, I think, presented these concepts in such a great way that I wanted to share it here too. It is based on the coaching model that I teach to all of my certified widow coaches. It's just one of the tools I teach in that course for widow coach certification. And that is the coaching model, which is C-T-F-A-R, right? Sounds a little confusing, (laughs) but it's actually the C is the circumstances of your life. T is what you think about that circumstance. It's a sentence that plays in your mind. The T is for a thought. The F is for feeling, and when your mind plays a thought, plays a sentence about something, it actually vibrates into your body as emotion. Your brain creates your emotions. So the thought goes down to the F of feelings, and feelings create our actions. That's the A line on that. Everything we do or don't do is about how we feel or how we don't want to feel, The R in C-T-F-A-R is the result of all of that. It's how that results in your life. It's a very powerful tool when you learn all the details about it, all the ins and outs of how to apply it. And there's no way I could teach this to all of you right here on the podcast right now. But I can kind of break that down and give you tips on each session section of CTFAR so that you get a real good idea of why this works so incredibly. Okay, we're going to start with the C, which is for circumstance. These are just facts. They have no judgment. There's no emotion attached to facts. They're just neutral. And on that line, what I want to tell you is that you do not equal your life. The world around you, your life, it does not define you. You are not what your life and your world is. Think about your world. Think about the world we're in right now, even with politics and murderers and mean people. Think about your world with the job you're working, the relationships with friends and family, money issues. All of those things are going on in your life, but it does not define who you are. Who you are is pretty much not even negotiable. 
There's nothing to prove what I'm about to tell you otherwise. And that is, as a human being, who you are is you are 100% worthy, 100% lovable, and 100% capable. As a human being, we come into the world this way, and that's where we remain. There is nothing in your world or in your life that can diminish any of those things. There's nothing that you've done in your life that could diminish your worthiness or your lovability, right? So understand that there is you, who you are, and then there's everything else going on around you. They are two separate things. That is the first tip in self-coaching. The second comes down to our brain. That's the T line. It's our thoughts. And our brain is not who we are. Now, this one was a little hard for me at first when I began to realize that my soul, who I am, is not all tied up inside my brain. I thought in my brain is where I am. If you take my brain away, I no longer exist. Well, I no longer live in this body. If you <laughs> take my brain away, right? The body ceases to function. We are not our thoughts. And I can prove this to you. First of all, I will share with you that I can have thoughts that are such whoppers. And I, I think this applies to all of us. When you start to really pay attention to what your brain tells you, pretty soon you kind of start to see through how your brain is programmed. I like to think of our brain as our personal computer that we have with us at all times. It really is like the most magnificent computer on the planet. We have not been able to make a computer that can even come close to what the human brain can do on a functional level. It's incredible. Take a moment right now. You can pause this podcast if you want to, but I want you to take one moment and think about, like, just kind of look at what is in your brain right now. What thought are you having right now? Just try to capture one of the sentences your brain says to you. Okay, pause and then come back. Did you do that? Here's the thing. If you took a minute to do this and capture a sentence that your brain is playing, if you were your brain, how did you do that? You were able to see what your brain was showing you because you are not your brain. You can stand to one side of it and observe what it's doing. And the fact that we are capable of doing that, I think is one of our greatest gifts from God or the universe. We are able to observe what our brain tells us. And then we're able to decide if we want to keep focusing on that sentence our brain is playing, or if we want to believe something a little differently. You'll discover that a lot of what your brain tells you is just like previous programming. It's stuff you were taught as a kid, 
whether you were taught directly or you just learned it by osmosis, by observation. You know, as a parent, you become aware of the fact that your kids don't do what you say. Your kids do what you do. They are so fast to learn. Their brains are like big open sponges and their brains are open for a reason like that. They learn a lot very fast from the time they're born through all the years of their youth and their teenage years. They're like learning, learning, learning. But here's the deal. When you start to look at everything in your brain that you picked up during that time, there's going to be thoughts that come out that you go, hold on, wait a minute, brain, you've been telling me this. It's, it's kind of surprising. Plus our brain has this DNA programming in there that just kind of comes from our evolution over time. Our brain's number one job is to keep us alive. It always has been. That's its job. Just keep you alive so that you can procreate <laughs> and continue the human race right? I've talked before about when our ancestors were cave people and every time they ventured outside of the cave, their brain immediately started to scan the horizon for danger, right? It's just like to, to keep them alive. It had to immediately look for saber-toothed tigers, poisonous snakes, poisonous plants. And most of the time their brain would just say, get back in the cave, get back in the cave where it's safe. It doesn't look too safe out here. Guess what? Our brain is still telling us the same thing. In this modern day and age, we evolved so rapidly, you guys. We created this world around us, all these inventions, all of, you know, think about the difference between the culture of cavemen and where we are at today. And that happened pretty quickly in the overall scope of time. Our brain is still the same. And anytime you go to work and your boss is unhappy with something, your brain is like, it's a saber-toothed tiger. Get back in the cave. No wonder we find it these situations stressful because our brain is telling us we're going to die. We're not going to die. We're just having an uncomfortable emotion that's going to pass. So know that... There's a lot of stuff in your brain that you've maybe never stopped to write down to even observe what's going on in there. And when you do, you may be very surprised with some of the things your brain tells you. When I looked at, I like to use the example of when I did work on my money beliefs, because I have spent a lot of time looking at and understanding my own beliefs around money because my beliefs were first challenged by a fellow coach who grew up very differently than I did. She grew up where there was just always money. I, her grandfather was, you know, had some huge successful business and there was a lot of money and they all got uh, trust funds and her views on money are so different than what I was raised with. And I started looking at sentences in my brain about money that were actually kind of programmed in there in my youth. And it were, I had things like, you have to work really hard for your money. You have to go get a good job working for someone else. And then you have to make sure that the boss is happy with you all the time so that they will want to keep you or give you a raise. Now, 
are you guys hearing the fallacy in that? I mean, there's a lot of people in the world who have money and they didn't work hard for it. It was easy for them. And this whole concept of you have to keep your boss happy to get more money, that first of all, you can't make somebody else be happy. <laughs> you just can't. That's called manipulation when you try to change somebody else's emotions. You can only take care of your own emotions. So when I started looking at these beliefs, and I understand why I have them. My father was very blue-collar, um, grew up during the Great Depression. He grew up on a farm. So those beliefs about, you know, get a good job and work really hard came from my dad. And I realized that I even had thoughts in my brain. I'm ashamed to admit this one because as soon as I was doing a thought download where I was just writing everything that came through my mind as fast as I could without editing it, with no filters. And there was this sentence in my head that had the phrase rich bitch in it. Apparently, growing up, I had heard other people refer to wealthy women as a rich bitch. And I thought, oh my gosh, that would totally hold me back from being able to make good money in my life because I don't want people to think I'm a bitch. So I would never want to be rich because of that thought. And I thought, gosh, remove that thought and then there's no preconceived notion, not only about myself, but about other people. There was a preconceived notion that other people who were extremely rich were bitchy and greedy and kind of Simon Legree <laughs> kind of people, right? And then I met rich people who were generous and lovely people with their own set of issues, just crazy thoughts in our brain. And as I looked at those thoughts, I went, okay, so that thought is not true. It's absolutely not true. And it would hold me back in life. So brain, I'm watching you. You start playing that programming and we are go going to something different. Right? We're changing that app in our computer. So know that you are not your brain. Your brain is at your disposal for your use and you can put any app in that computer on your head that you choose to. And you can take time to look at what applications is in your brain now and decide which ones you want to keep and which ones are not serving you in any way. Crazy, right? The next thing I want to tell you is about feelings. And the truth is we create our own feelings. We can create any emotion that we want to. It's kind of mind blowing. And it took me a long time to wrap my brain around this one too, because one of the first things I learned about emotions was that um, an emotion only lasts for about 90 seconds if you're allowing that emotion to just be there. And I was like, how could that be? Because when I'm upset about something, I could be upset about something in the evening and I'm upset all night and I wake up upset the next morning. So how does that work? The truth is, 
If you're upset all night and you wake up the next morning upset, it's because you've been resisting your own anger. You've been trying to push it down. And the harder you try to push it down, the harder it pushes back. If you can allow yourself to just accept that you are angry about something or upset about something and let your whole body just feel upset, like, yeah, this is what upset feels like, it's going to go away. It may come back like, like gentle waves and each little wave of upsetness gets more gentle and more gentle until it dissipates. You can experience any emotion and be fine with it. Now, our brain and our emotions sometimes go back and forth because our brain thinks, oh, if I feel embarrassed, probably I'm going to die. So I'm going to avoid trying to uh, feeling embarrassed at all cost. It's crazy. First of all, no emotion has ever killed anybody. <laughs> you don't die from your emotions. Trying to avoid feeling embarrassed about anything ever is not a good idea. I'll tell you why. Because if you are trying to learn something new, you have to be willing to fail at it over and over and over until you get it. And it's a little embarrassing to fail, right? When you learn to ride a bike, if you ever learn to ride a bike, you were wobbly on that bike, you tipped the bike over, you did everything wrong, and you had to keep going back and failing at bike riding, failing at bike riding, failing at bike riding. Probably, I don't remember the entire process of learning to ride my bike, but I bet I failed like over a hundred times before I took off on that bike and just pedaled it on down the street. So emotions are something that are created by the thoughts we're thinking. Each thought vibrates down into your body as an emotion and you can allow an emotion. You can also create an emotion by choosing how you want to think about something. You can decide what you want to make something outside of you in your life mean to you and change how you feel about it. It's an exciting process. I teach more about this in class. The next thing I want to tell you is about actions. And I want to tell you in actions, failing is good. We just talked about that, right? Learning to ride a bike. And in life, it's like you're learning to ride a new bike every day. Every time you're going to try something new, every time you want to do something differently in your life, it's like getting on a bicycle and learning to ride all over again. And if you're not willing to fail a few times, you're never going to succeed at it. Therefore, failing is a good thing. It's how you work your way to success. It is so foreign to us because we've been taught that failure is bad. When we were in school, it was like you, to get an F on your report card would be the worst thing that could happen to you as a kid. Like you tried to hide that report card. You tried to feed it to the dog. <laughs> right. It's like, don't get an F. Don't get an F ever. But that's just crazy because as human beings, we're going to fail at things. When we were babies learning to walk, 
if we had given up the first time we failed, <laughs> I mean, we would have never learned to walk, right? All of us like fell back on our bottom over and over and over again before we could finally stand up and take those first steps. Do you think our moms ever gave up on us? Do you think our mom looked at us the first time we pushed ourselves up off the floor and tried to take a step and fell over and went, well, that's it. This kid's never going to walk. We're just going to have to carry her around <laughs> forever. It doesn't happen that way. Failing is part of the process. So when you take an action, there's, well, I don't want to jump ahead to actions. We are going to discover that failing is something that is informational. Okay, that's how I like to look at it. It's informational. If you decide that you have failed, if you try one thing and think, well, that didn't work, so I failed. That's just giving up. You haven't failed until you decide you have failed. If you try something and it didn't work, you can sit back and go, okay, what did work, what didn't work, and how do I want to do this differently the next time? That's how you keep going after success. So there are four things that can happen when you take actions. The first is that you succeed immediately. Success, yay, that's the best thing that can happen. You try something and it succeeds. The second best thing is that you try something and you fail. And failure doesn't feel great, but it's not the worst that can happen. Failure is good. It's like you tried it, you failed, you get a chance to now reconsider how you might want to try it the next time and the next time and the next time until it does succeed. The third worst thing, the third worst thing that can happen is that you do not try again. You take an action, it fails, and you just throw yourself down on the ground. You're like, okay, I'm done. You just stop. That is telling yourself you're a failure and just not going forward at all. The very worst action, the very worst action is procrastination or just not doing it at all. And the reason that we do this is we think about an action that could move us forward in our life and we realize there is the potential that we're going to try that and we're going to fail. And we think, oh, if it doesn't work, if I can't pull this off, I'm going to feel really stupid. I'm going to be embarrassed. I'm going to be disappointed in myself. Why risk all that emotion? So you just do nothing. I call this choosing to fail ahead of time. Like you don't even try. You just like, oh, it might not work, so let's not try it. How effective is that in your life to just avoid feelings? Because really, when you try something and you fail, the worst thing that happens is a feeling. It's feeling embarrassed, having your confidence shaken a little bit. But you can feel anything and we don't die, right? So the very worst action is to do nothing at all. 
or procrastination is basically doing nothing, right? We're telling ourselves, I'll try it later. But the truth is we don't want to try it at all because we're afraid. And being afraid of something is just fine. Fear is a natural reaction. Anytime I've taken a step forward in what I do in my business, I've been afraid. The very first time I jumped on the internet to give a webinar, I'm telling you, I just wanted to throw up at the idea of it. Now it's like second nature. And I jump on video all the time. I jump on Facebook Live all the time. It's like rolling off a log. But that first time I tried it, it was terrifying. I was really afraid. But it's that way with every new thing. Anything that's worth trying out, I was afraid of. But I had to go, okay, I get it, brain. You think we're going to die if we try this thing. I can feel that fear, but I'm going to go after it. I'm going to go after it and do it. The results in your life are what make up your future. And I want to tell you that your future is your property. The future is yours and you need to own it and you need to decide for yourself what you want your future to be. Most of the time we live in default mode. We just kind of go along in life and whatever falls into our lap falls into our lap or we just go do what other people tell us we should do or what we think other people would want us to do. That's living by default. And really most of the time when you're in that mode, you're just kind of dragging your past along with you and projecting your past life into your future meaning that you're living the same day over and over and over again. You're never making any changes in your life. You're never growing in any way. Your future should not be left in the hands of other people, should not be left in default mode. Like I'll just go where the world takes me. That's no way to live. You get to decide what you want to have in your future whether you're deciding what you're going to eat for lunch tomorrow or you're deciding where you want to be in your life next year or even in five years. First, you have to think about what it is you really want for yourself. What kind of life do you want to have? What do you want your life to be? How often do we take the time to sit down and really think about that? Like, what do I want my life to be? If I could take my life in any direction, if I could create any kind of life for myself, like the sky's the limit, what would you want your life to be? Look at that, consider that, and then start working towards your future. It's your property. Own it and create it. Those are the five steps, you guys. The first is you are not your life. The world around you and your life does not define who you are. You are not your brain. That's number two. Your thoughts are kind of randomly programmed in there. And it's beneficial to take a look at what your brain is telling you and deciding if you want to focus on that thought or if you want to have a different thought because thoughts are optional. You are not your brain. 
Three, you can create your own feelings. You're in charge of your emotions. You can allow them. You can also create the emotions that you want to feel. Four, failure is good. Failure is often necessary to reach success. And number five, procrastination will just keep you stuck in place. Your future is your property, right? Own your future. So those are your tips for self-coaching, for creating the kind of life experience that you want to have. I would love the opportunity to teach you all more about this. That's why I created the Widow Coaching Center online. It's a membership site. There is a registration fee up front, and there's a reason for that registration fee. One of the reasons is there's a lot in there for you that first month that you jump in. There are videos for widows and to help you on your journey. There are bonus modules in there. There's a bonus module on creating confidence. There's a bonus module on retelling your story. There's a bonus module on how to stop overeating for permanent weight loss. It's a program that I used to teach when I first started coaching because I started out as a weight coach and that's in there for free. Also, that registration fee tells me that you are committed to doing some work that's going to help you move your life forward. If you stick around for additional months, it is then a, a fairly low monthly membership fee. And each month there are more video modules that will drop in for you to watch each month and to go forward with. Every month I do a live coaching call with the membership. You can be coached by me. You can ask questions. We do Q&A calls. We have our membership group that is a private membership group in Facebook for all of our members at Widow Coaching Center. So this is something I want all of you to seriously consider. It's developed to be extremely reasonable in cost for those who don't feel they're ready to hire a coach or for those who don't feel that they're ready to come train with me to be a certified widow coach. I would love to have all of you come train for this and become certified widow coaches. But if that's not where you are at, then absolutely go check out widowcoachingcenter.com. I think you're going to love what's there. I would love to have you as a member of that community. So everybody go into this next week. I want you to think about those five different things I've shared with you today and see if you can apply even one or two of them to your life right now. It's an amazing start and they can change your life. Go out there, find some joy and have a fabulous week. I'll talk to you all again next week.